New Year, everybody. My name is Brandon. I am one of the pastors here at Legacy. Whether you're joining us online on television or right here in the sanctuary, thanks so much for joining us for worship and getting the note about the time change. Way to read. Now, we are wrapping up the series we started a month ago, looking at some of these classic Christmas tunes and why they have lasted so long. One of them for 800 years. The final song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, arose right here in the United States. Now, we don't know who originally wrote this song, as it is an African-American spiritual. It was a song sung by slaves. It was passed down orally from plantation to plantation, sung by a people longing to be free, of people longing for salvation. In the late 1800s, this is during the Reconstruction period, right after the Civil War, a university, Fisk University in Nashville, was in financial trouble. They're a historically black college in Nashville. Now, the Fisk Jubilee Singers, they go on tour in the U.S. to raise funds. As this tour progressed, they added more and more spirituals to their repertoire, of which one of them was Go Tell It on the Mountain. Now, these spirituals were never performed in public like this before until that moment. They were associated with slavery, a dark past, and represented things some people would like to forget. However, this small quartet brought the songs to the public consciousness, taking them around the world, and they saved their university in the process. Not only that, at Fisk University at the, in the 1800s, in the late 1800s, it was customary on Christmas morning for students, long before sunrise, they would get up, which is amazing to think about for college students, right? Up before sunrise. But they were up before sunrise. They would gather and walk together from building to building. And on Christmas morning, they would sing, Go Tell It on the Mountain. Now, one of those leaders, John Wesley Work Jr., wrote down and published, Go Tell It on the Mountain, guaranteeing that it would live throughout the ages. Now, the version that you know has spread so far and so wide that in any hymnal that you pick up today, it's in there. And it is amazing that this song finds its origin as a song sung by slaves in the fields, picked up by their descendants to save university, and to remind us of a horrible history so that it is never repeated again. Now, the version of the song that people are familiar with draws right from Luke chapter 2, in particular, the experience of the shepherds that first Christmas morning so long ago. You can follow along with me this morning in your Bible, on your favorite device, or on the screens with me. This is verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Do not be afraid, he said. I bring good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior? Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others in the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a manger. Now, this is the story that is captured in this spiritual. We sing it every time we sing the chorus. 
Go tell it on the mountain. Over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. As we celebrate Christmas every year, we can stop right here in this moment in the story with the shepherds. They go, they see everything the angel has told them, and they keep it to themselves. They don't tell anyone else. They talk about it with each other, but they never share it beyond their circle. You know, we can do the same. We celebrate Christmas and stop right there, never telling anyone about this incredible, crazy, unbelievable reality that the God of the universe became one of us in a baby 2,000 years ago. Is this what the shepherds do? Of course not. After seeing Jesus, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. That's the end of the shepherd's tale in Luke. They tell everybody what they experienced. And people were shocked. They were surprised. They were astonished at the story. They shared hope. The shepherds shared hope with others. They shared the hope of a savior they had been waiting centuries for. That's what the shepherds do. It was what the slaves were doing as this song and others were passed from plantations and to generations. It's what their children and descendants were doing and not only sharing the hope of Jesus, sharing their spirituals with the public, but helping us all throughout history to remember the past so we don't repeat the same horrific and evil mistakes that have come before us. We here, standing now in the first few hours of 2023, we are called to share hope, just like the shepherds did, just like those enslaved, their children, and their descendants. We are called to share the hope of Christmas and the hope we found in Jesus Christ. Now, Howard Thurman, the American theologian, and he was a mentor to Martin Luther King Jr., challenges us appropriately as we near the end of the Christmas season, as we go into a new year. This is going to look familiar to you. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among others, to make music in the heart. Friends, here we are on New Year's Day. The work of Christmas begins now. We work again in a new year to share Jesus with others, to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, release the prison, rebuild the nations, to bring peace among others, to make music in the heart. Friends, the work of Christmas begins today for us, the church. Now here in America, we've grown up and we've been trained to see church as a place that we go on Sundays, Wednesdays, special events. Church is a building. But when you read the activity of the first Christians in the book of Acts, you see these people who go all over the place, sometimes willingly, sometimes not, to share the hope they found in Jesus. We need to be retrained on just what church is. Church is not a place you go. Church is a people who go. Church is not a place that you go, it is a people who go. That's who we are. That's what we are supposed to be about. Wherever we find ourselves this week and any week, we share the hope of Jesus authentically and naturally. Not in some weird, forced way where we got to tell three people about Jesus every day because we set that arbitrary goal. No, we go and we be with people and we are aware of authentic and natural opportunities to share the hope of Jesus with others. The first and primary act of sharing hope today is listening. Just listen. That's it. 
You earn the right to be heard in other people's lives. We earn the right by hearing people and listening to other people's stories. Get to know other people. Care for other people. Love other people. Be present with them. Not in some bait and switch so you can share the hope of Jesus with them, but just listen. Just be with people because that's what Christians do. So often we've seen and experienced ways people try to share the hope of Jesus without listening. They're standing out on the corner of a street with a bullhorn, or they're interrupting your family dinner by knocking on your door. That's not earning the right to speak into your life. That's not earning the right. It's just showing up and broadcasting with no concern about you and who you are. There may have been a season that that kind of sharing hope with others was effective, but it certainly doesn't seem to be anymore. People want to know that they are cared for. They want to know that they're loved. They want to see that you actually love and follow Jesus before they're ever going to consider giving you the time of day to share what Jesus has done in your life. And friends, that's a fair, that is a reasonable request. We share the hope of Jesus by listening. In Jesus' last night with his disciples, before he was arrested and brutally killed, he tells his followers this. So now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now Jesus' followers throughout all time should be identified for their love for each other and the love for the world. It's supposed to be the thing that identifies Christians to other people and other groups on the planet. Oh, that's that group that loves each other and loves others without expecting anything else in return. Is that how Christians are seen? Or do others see Christians as seeking power of any kind, political power, hypocritical, and judgmental, and they're not concerned for the common good? Unfortunately, many people see Christians, many people see the church the second way and not the first way. Now, in one of the many new Star Wars series that have dropped in the past few years, one character comments on the action of the Jedi. If you know nothing about Star Wars, you know who the Jedi are. You've seen them in pop culture with the lightsabers. They're the um, knights of the series. This person notes, Jedi cannot help who they are, their compassion leaves a trail. Jedi cannot help who they are. Their compassion leaves a trail. What if, what if that was said about those of us who follow Jesus? Christians cannot help who they are. Their compassion leaves a trail. Is that not an amazing badge of honor to wear? Is that not a legacy to be proud of and a legacy of worth building and giving your life towards? Christians cannot help who they are. Their compassion leaves a trail. From our Half a Christmas Challenge, it seeks to help those experiencing homelessness. You can still give to the Half a Christmas Challenge if you want to today. You, to our monthly One Thing and Impact offerings, to mission teams and trips that have made a return, to all the ways that you serve and give that I know absolutely nothing about, we seek to be the people who love one another, just as Jesus loved and loves us. We want to be the people who other people say about us, Christians cannot help what they are. Their compassion leaves a trail. As we share the hope of Christmas with others, we listen, we love, and we share our story. Only after listening first, only after loving others, actually loving them like Jesus does, we can share our story. We can share our story of how we decided to follow Jesus. 
We all have a story. If you said, yes, Jesus is the Lord of my life, you have a story. We have a story. It does not have to be dramatic. It doesn't. It can be a slow awakening. That's actually how the majority of people in our part of the world decide Jesus is their Lord. It's a slow awakening. It's trying out and trying on Jesus. Does Jesus fit like we tried on clothes for Christmas to see if that sweater or pajama set was going to work? Is Jesus really true? Do I really believe that God came to earth as a baby, then lived, died, and rose again to make a way out of sin and death, not just for me, but for everyone who wants it? It's worth taking time to pause this week and think back. How did I decide to follow Jesus? Was there a moment that changed things for you? Even though it was a dimmer switch, was there something that turned it on, made the lights come on bright? It's an incredibly helpful practice to think back. What were the markers? What were the things that led you? Were there people? Were there events? Was there something that made you to say, yes, Jesus, you are my Lord? Write it down. As you reflect, write it down on a paper notepad or on the notepad on your phone so that when the time comes to share your story, you know the moves, you know the highlights, you know the events, you know the things that make you decide, yes, this whole Jesus stuff, it is true. It is real, and Jesus is the Lord in my life. You can look back and see how the Holy Spirit moved in your life to awaken you to the hope that you have found in Christ. Now, it was a dimmer switch for me. I grew up going to church, going to Sunday school and the like. After my mother died of cancer at 15 years old, I decided to follow Jesus for myself at a high school event, and I haven't looked back since. It's been an incredible journey of learning, listening, and loving people in so many places I've been, places I never would have even imagined. And I look forward in 2023 for all the opportunities to listen to others, to actually love others, and to take the natural and, uh, and authentic opportunities to share my story with other people. Friends, this is the challenge for all of us. This is the challenge of our day. We all need to be the people who listen. We all need to be people that love and share our story. If we want to be more than a church who simply transfers Christians from one church to another, like sheep from one pasture to another, if we actually want to reach people who've never considered following Jesus before, this is what it takes. Listening, loving, and sharing our story from all of us, not just from the pastors, not just from the staff, but from every single one of us. Now, when the Methodists first arrived in America in the 1800s, they spread far and wide. At one point in U.S. history, one out of every three people was Methodist. You'd throw a stone and you'd hit a Methodist. 33%. That is incredible and unheard of. How do they do that? It was said on the frontier there were two sounds that you heard. First was the sound of the axe as people were building their homes. And the second was a knock on your door. It was the Methodist preacher come to share the hope of Jesus with you. Now, methods and times change, but the need for the hope in Jesus has not. If we want to be a church that reaches people that have never considered Jesus before, we must become comfortable to go, tell it on the mountain, as we listen, as we love, as we share our story, as the opportunities authentically arise. Those early Methodists had a New Year's Day practice. Every year, they'd have a New Year's Day service and they'd recommit themselves to Jesus through worship, through Holy Communion, 
and the Wesley Covenant Prayer. It was a prayer they prayed every year, a beautifully and honest prayer challenging us to be put in a place where God can put us to work or to lay us aside. Whatever God needs from us, we submit ourselves to God's service. So if, you're, if it is your desire this morning to be a person who listens, who loves, and shares their story, join me in praying this prayer on the screen. Say it with me. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. As we continue in prayer this morning, I invite you to bow your head, close your eyes as we continue to pray. Jesus, we are challenged by the shepherds, the students, the descendants, and the slaves of long ago whose song of hope they found in you in situations that must have felt entirely hopeless. As we enter a new year, may we listen truly to others. May we love one another and everyone we encounter without expecting anything in return. And may we take opportunities through the Holy Spirit to share our story as times naturally arise. As we prepare to receive Holy Communion today, we confess there were times this last week that we fell short, that we didn't love you with our whole heart and we didn't love our neighbor as ourselves. So in this time of silent prayer, we confess to you those mistakes, those times we fell short, those shortcomings, those sins of the week that was. Jesus, we give you thanks for forgiving us each and every time we ask. May we go into tomorrow, may we go into today, may we go into this new year filled with your Holy Spirit so that we can listen, love, and share with all those that we encounter. And now we pray together in the way that Jesus taught his disciples to pray so long ago. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.